You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we have a fantastic show planned for you. Why do you ask? Because Todd Watts, who is the CEO and co-founder of PatientFi, is our guest. Todd, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on the show. Let's get right into it. You're an entrepreneur. You're a co-founder. Tell us about your motivation to start PatientFi. Yeah, so PatientFi, we partner with uh, doctors across the country to offer an affordable alternative to pay for uh, healthcare, and that's across plastic surgery, ophthalmology, fertility, dentistry. Um, the motivation in for myself and my co-founders was uh, there really wasn't a clear alternative uh, for patients when they walk into a doctor's office and they find out that LASIK is $8,000. And not only did the staff, they didn't have a really clear, easy way to be able to offer uh, that patient a way to pay monthly over time for something um, and it's not only was clear to me as in my personal life, as I was going into the doctor's offices, but I'd been in a, a similar business before and, it, and the current offerings that were in the market, um, really were coming up short. So, um, it was a way for us that we knew it was, it was a market that was underserved and a market that, uh, if we put together the right team and the right technologists, we could offer something that, um, that was a custom, just like healthcare in a lot of other ways you walk in, they give you a piece of paper. Uh, to fill out, we could digitize all of this and offer a very easy, convenient way to pay for healthcare that's more affordable. So, healthcare is an interesting uh, business because much of it's covered by your insurance. People that's don't right. really check, but then when it becomes elective or surgeries that or procedures that, for whatever, the insurance company hasn't negotiated to pay for that, that's really when people get sticker shock a little bit right. about how much our medical system actually costs them. So sure. I can see where you're providing a service to help them. But how long has PatientFi been around? We started PatientFi in 2017. And when did you and your other co-founders really believe the business was going to thrive like it is today, Todd? When we, so it was, it was one kind of key, uh, it was in a few practices that we tested it in early in 2018. And then when we knew we really had something, when, and that is when we started teaching and working with the staff of these practices to start changing the way that they quoted procedures. So um, if, if it's Botox, instead of saying in a med spa, telling the patient, um, you know, it's going to be $700, would you like to move forward? Actually telling that patient, hey, look, you can get Botox and it's $99 a month. Hmm. Or if it's in a LASIK surgeon's office, training that staff to tell them, hey, look, when they ask how much it is, don't wait to see if they're not sure. And then you can offer them financing as an alternative. No, proactively use our technology platform to offer them LASIK for $2.99 a month. When we saw the dramatic results of how fast the practices grew that we partnered with, we went, whoa, wait a second. There's clearly a need for patients here that's not being served by the existing incumbents. Practices clearly aren't doing this. And that's when we really started investing in the business. So that's interesting because they really do frame the client experience on your behalf, don't they? That's exactly right. And it's so it's so important how they position it. I'm I'm wondering. Um, let's talk about the niche that you serve. We sort of touched around it, but 
how do you, who are you helping the problems that you're solving and then how are you seeing the people selecting and choosing patient fi as a way to basically finance the procedures that they they want to have done yeah um the statistic that I uh, I refer back to a lot, and it was a, it was a pretty conductive, uh, extensive re research study done by two companies in collaboration, Payments and Paya, and that is that if all um, patients that ultimately didn't move forward with a procedure, whether it's plastic surgery, ophthalmology, cash pay, on, not covered by insurance, if they were all presented with a monthly payment plan, forty percent of those those patients would have actually moved forward with some form of procedure. So let's start with the practice, right? The, the benefits are clear to a medical practices. It's a, it's a way for them to be able to increase their sales, increase their conversions and help more patients. Um, by offering monthly payments and making their, their, uh, their procedures and services more affordable without having to actually reduce their prices. There's a big difference between reducing your price, your cost, and just making something more affordable. We make it more yeah. affordable. They can increase their sales. Um, and that's kind of been, um, is a key to this whole thing is the problem is we, we help the providers that kind of in turn then helps the patients by definition, because now we can have a lot of patients, whether it's LASIK surgery or dental care, or whatever it is, they, we can, they can get these life-changing procedures that they thought they didn't, they were, they weren't even eligible for Cause it's, you know, not the average American doesn't have $10,000 in a checking account. Um, so we help them be able to get access to the so usually in a lot of cases, cash pay procedures that aren't covered by insurance are in some instances, even medically necessary that are life changing. Um, and and we're, we see it as that we're being able to provide a, a fair, transparent financing solution to help people access the care that they want. So do you consider yourself and your company in the healthcare industry or in the financing industry? I don't, we're, we're all, <laughs> it's like a tight, it's like a tight rope between everything. Um, you know, I, I would say that uh, it's really three industries and mm. probably in, in order of in the following order. One would be technology. Um, every, the, the whole platform would be nothing without a, a, uh, we have more technologists and data scientists in a building than even larger than our sales team. Wow. So building the platform that the financial our financial partners then plug into. So uh, PatientVi is not a bank, um, but we have banking and credit union partners um, that we're able to, to partner with to offer loans. We do all the, the data science and underwriting. Um, and then our clients, yes, are in healthcare. Um, but, I'll, but I'll tell you is that the, our solution is portable while we're, while we're exclusively focused on the healthcare industry and the market that we serve. You know, the technology is, it could be portable to a lot of other industries one day and use just as much to finance something like, uh, outside products, whether it's uh, home improvement and other things, but today we're just exclusively focused in healthcare. Do you feel that you're disrupting this healthcare space then? Are you a disruptor in the space with what you're offering? I would, uh, uh, I don't know what the, 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 the threshold is, is when you actually are starting to cause enough noise to be a disruptor. <laughs> okay. Well, I know that we've caused a lot of noise um, and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you why. It is it, and it kind of goes back to that same thing that that I mentioned before is, you know, this this industry has been dominated for the most part by one, maybe two players for several decades. And when you're when you're when you're you know, when, a, when an industry is dominated, there's not a lot of innovation. Right. Why? 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 <laughs> yeah. And where we, I think, have really changed the paradigm is just is to say, look, um, 
we can offer a fair financial product to the patient. Um, we can charge a reasonable fee to the practice. And if we can start to change behavior using technology where it's very easy for the practice to be able to start offering payment plans. And it's not so much that awkward conversation when you're like, oh, this person looks like they're struggling with the price. Maybe we'll offer financing. Right. Just create a turnkey solution. You know, that, that the reason why that can create a lot of disruption is, well, now you're starting, I told you, reasonably change how much sales a practice is doing because you're not just giving them the finance tool to go figure it out. You're actually giving them the finance tool with the procedures and its technology tools that's pretty simple. We do very little training for our software for the practices. They can kind of do that job for them to be able to quickly say, plug in the price for the procedure you're trying to market in your practice to patients. It spits out a monthly payment and you can send it in an email to prospective patients and whammo. Now you have a totally uh, a, a product or service that was perceived to be unaffordable by many um, that now is quite affordable to, and you're now you're reaching new demographics. You're able to convert more patients um, that, you know, people start paying attention when you're starting to have those kind of results with your partners. It feels like you take, you're taking some of the friction out of the business that the healthcare provider, the physician has the friction around cost and resistance to that. Yes. And, and, and there is, you know, there's so much opportunity, you know, and I live and breathe within the healthcare space and payments within healthcare and particularly the workflows of how practices work. And there's so much, um, and for entrepreneurs out there that are looking for an industry to focus on, there's so much friction within the healthcare system. And, and when there's friction within a system, uh, in workflows, there's, there's leakage and cost leakage and it creates, there's inefficiencies. And anytime that you can come in, it creates problems and solve problems. You know, you, there, you can create a wonderful business about that. And, and that's, your point uh, where we focused is, is, geez, there's a lot of friction in, in how payments and alternative payments and cost effective solutions are offered to patients. Why don't we kind of bring in the latest technologists and, and we're going to focus entirely on this problem to make healthcare uh, more affordable using payment plans. And therein lies the disruption that I was asking about earlier as you're looking at a different way of doing something because people get imprinted with a bad experience. Let's say they're they're excited about LASIK, and then they they really sit down until they get the sticker shock of how much it is, and that I think has a deadening effect for people to do other important uh, elective surgeries that they yes. may need, but just fear they can't afford. And, and even and and even more so, um, if you pr if you provide a very um, clunky process, you use the word friction. Think about it like this: is um, you know, it's, it's not quite like buying a home where, you know, more, the mortgage is very much a part of it and everyone's expecting it. And it's a very integral part of how you're going to do this. When you're considering a LASIK procedure, you know, to have to go through a very, you know, paper intensive, hard to understand, exotic financial product um, and try to figure out how that's all going to work and the affordability and payments. That's a lot to deal with when you're thinking about, gee, should I undergo, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have, you know, lasers done on my eyes. And when, when, what we try to do is like, look, we can, it, we're, as long as we take care of the patient and it's, and it's a, and we're in a clinical setting and let's make sure we're offering a fair financial product, make it really easy. They, the patient's got enough going on and the practice staff has got enough going on. There's no reason why with the technology available to us, we can make the payment part of that pretty seamless and, and, and everybody kind of is able to walk away from it without having to go through too much of a, of, of pain. <laughs>
So uh, my personal anecdotal story is that my wife uh, aspirationally wanted to have LASIK done for quite a while. She wore contacts. Um, it was always a challenge for her. Her eyes never really felt good with the contacts. She didn't want to wear glasses, but she she had she had to have corrective eyes since she was a teenager. So she looked at how much it was, and we really had to plan for that expense and 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 make it a priority that eventually she and her life was different. You'd wake up in the morning, she could see all the commercials that you hear for the LASIK surgery. My personal experience is that's what happens for someone who no longer needs glasses. If there would have been an easier way for her to afford to do it, we would have done it probably years yeah. earlier than she did. That's right. And and it's a, and it's a ticking clock for a lot of these procedures, whether it's a if it's someone who wants to do a, a cosmetics uh, procedure, aesthetic procedure, or if it's LASIK or it's in a lot of these things, the sooner people get access to them, um, right, the more that they're able to enjoy or be able to benefit medically from the procedure that they're getting. And, and again, this is all under the, and it's critical um, that you're offering a fair product. You, this can't be something where, you know, and it's part of the, you know, our tagline is friendly way to pay. And it's that for a reason that, you know, you're in a clinical setting, you have to offer product. We offer interest rates as, you know, even up 0% loans and the, you know, quite a lot of our, of our, uh, of our uh, loans are 0%. And um, it offers the, the patient an opportunity, right. To be able to pay over time and access uh, treatments earlier. So let, let's, I really, I'm enjoying this conversation. Thank you for so, being so willing to kind of go deep into your business model, but let's, let's look at the other side of your business, sure. which is attracting banks and financial institutions to want to support what you're doing at PatientFi. Take us back to when you first started talking to them. Did you did you have some type of relationship that made that work? Or were you in there explaining to them a business model that maybe at first they were either unclear about or unsure about? Or did they immediately go, that's a great idea. Let's partner with you. No, they did not do that immediately. <laughs> uh, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting business in, in the sense that um, uh, and everybody, look, you have a manufacturing plan, you have customers. I mean, everybody has to like deal with multiple fronts. Um, so we're not, you know, we're not a complete outlier, but you know, it is different in the sense that, you know, we, we have patients and practices that we're, we're working with, but then also, you know, a key kind of constituent of our, of our ecosystem, right. Is to your point, credits, credit unions and banks, and it can be difficult because it's quite circular. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, and particularly in this day and age, it's a lot of fintechs are having a lot of problems given liquidity and interest rates as you go to these uh, banks and credit unions go, hey, look, we'd like to you know, be able to partner with you to originate loans for, for, uh, for our patients um, and of, the, of our medical practices. And they say, great, show me a track record of all the different loans that you've done over the last five years. And it's like, well, no, we actually just started the company. We don't have anything like that, but you know, we know what we're doing. Give us a shot. Um, it took a long time. And, and now we, we do partner with uh, deposit, which we call deposit back institutions and credit unions. And, but at first we had to borrow at very high costs. Uh, we went to private equity and uh, actually originally high net worth investors and had to raise money and do that, you know, first million dollars in loans. And it was, um, it was really with loans from individuals. And then it got bigger and we were able to kind of scale up. And then eventually you have a track record and go to banks and credit unions. But that was one of the hardest parts of the whole business was being able to prove that, hey, look, our team knows what we're doing. Um, right. we're, we're the right people to, to, to partner with. 
But, you know, sometimes I'd rather be lucky than good. Starting in 2017 was probably a more favorable environment than maybe if people that are trying to do what you're doing in 2023. No question. And that's, that's a, uh, it's a, it's, it's a smart comment. And, and uh, right now it's very difficult for those, you know, let's call all of us non-bank lenders who, and even, even banks and credit unions in today's environment where you have, you know, a lot of loans are out there and, and banks don't have a lot of liquidity, as I mentioned, interest rates are where they are. It's a difficult time to, um, to get started. And, you know, I, I, I talked to a lot of people starting fintech companies or point of sale lenders or, or companies like ours. And, um, you know, it, it, I hate to say it, but there's a part of it that says maybe you should wait a little bit and, and launch when in a, in a more normalized environment because it's it's very very difficult. Um, if you just read the news about how fintech uh, non bank lending is doing. Yes, it, it, there's a lot of emotion behind business, and yep. and you got you have to factor that into your decisions. Uh, speaking of emotions, I'm wondering, you know, you're a co-founder, but you're also the CEO of Patientify. Have you ever felt in this role alone or somewhat isolated as you've been? making decisions and leading and scaling the firm? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do have the support of, um, you know, we have a great board. We've, we've, uh, when we, when I, when we started the company, um, we, we set up a board immediately and it's a, it functions like if it's a, a public company and it has always been that way, but the day to day, um, you know, I would say eventually you get used to it and it's part of the reason why you love the job. And that is, is that sometimes you have to make a decision. No one's going to make it and you're going to be wrong. And, uh, and sometimes there's real consequences for being wrong, not just the people that work for you, but also the, the quality of the business or the, your investors. And, um, part of, uh, I think it's a muscle that you learn to exercise, but over the years and I've gotten better at it, but yeah, it gets, really lonely when you know it's your call. Um, you might know more too much detail about it to really be able to go to your board and ask for advice. So you're kind of on your own. And I think that one of the lonelier, one of the isolating times is when you're first learning to say, look, I'm going to make a call and it's okay if I'm wrong. I have the confidence um, that I'm going to be able to correct course and get back on the right track. And uh, But the first couple of times you make those decisions, those are some sleepless nights. Yes, they are, my friend. Or at least that, what you're doing is the hardest thing to do in business, which is to create a business from nothing. That's business right. is never easy, but bringing up a business when the world doesn't even know they need you or how you're going to help them is a real challenge. I'm wondering, throughout your career, Todd, have you received or given any piece of business advice that you would like to share with our audience today? Yeah, I... Uh... I'm not going to share a bit. Well, I'll indirectly share what's been told to me. Um, and so it's uh, my advice, but it's not, it's not my, uh, it's not my brainchild, but you know, I was told very early on um, in my career and it's, and I don't mean to say a bumper sticker comment, but it's, it's so true for entrepreneurs. And that is put people in place around you that fill gaps that you're not good at. And I think sometimes um, entrepreneurs will, think that they have to be able to do everything. And, and I'm, and I, I have all the skills that every, that the culmination of all the skills around me. And, um, I think if I, I think I would have been able to move faster, um, in my career and in business, if I would have said, look, and you know, sometimes you got to humble yourself and say, I'm not so good at that. And I better get someone that makes me feel kind of, kind of stupid in that category. And I want to, I want to bring him as close as I can to me 
And the more that he can remind me that I know nothing about that and he's and he or she, (laughs) it's for the better. Um, And that, I think, has as I've built out, because once the company grows, your job is to manage people. And that's sometimes the hardest decisions to know, you know, this is a person you need to let go of or this is a person that you need to hire. And um, that has been that is guided in the executive team level has been a big guide for me. Um, And heck, that might eventually be. I look in the mirror and I'm an owner of the business. This guy can do the CEO job or get or gal better than I can. And that's the same thing. And that is uh, you'll produce better results by, you know, humbling yourself and knowing to pick people that create a team that kind of fills everybody's gaps. And that's when that's I don't care what kind of product you have. At the end of the day, unless you have a patent that's going to cure cancer, the people are more important than the product um, because you'll figure it out if you got the right people around you. Yeah, it's, I, I thank you for that, because unless you're a solopreneur, you <laughs> shouldn't be the smartest person in your company and all assets of your business. You That's need exactly to. right. Thank you. Exactly. So let's talk about tomorrow, Todd. We'll have you back on the show at some point in the future. Maybe you'll still be the CEO of Patient Fire. Maybe you'll be the chairman and just relaxing on the beach. I don't know. <laughs> but let's talk about what's the future hold for Patient Fire? What's your vision for the firm? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're we're still in complete growth mode, and it's a um, in this environment that's choppy. You know, I, I look at it like the ground shaking for a lot of our competitors, and a lot of um, so this is this just create a lot of opportunity for us. Um, you know, we're expanding into other specialties and medical specialties where we want to take this is to you know to emerge really as a as a new payment solution um, in healthcare, and that means you know once. Patient Fi and the specialties we're in have when when people start to in general refer to Botox as being ninety nine dollars a month or if it's LASIK mm-hmm. when you start things start to really be coined as um, a new way to price procedures you know that's going to be Patient Fi because that's where we're leading and and it's and uh, we're we're, I, we're making unbelievable traction I think when it when it reaches to that point we'll be um, making a real difference, um, not just, you know, we're in several thousand practices today, but I think we could be in 50,000, 100,000. Um, from there, now you can start to do really neat stuff. And, um, and what I would love to see patient fi where it could, it could go well beyond uh, financial technology, be able to um, help with uh, uh, practice management and help practices and patients in a lot of other areas. We have the team around us to be able to do that, to make real differences um, in the elective healthcare market. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm having a blast. Um, so I, I'm not going to be going on the beach anytime soon. <laughs> Certainly not today. It's probably still cold and rainy. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, we're having winter here in Southern California, ladies and gentlemen. So watch out. <laughs> if someone would like to connect with you on LinkedIn or find and learn more about patient Fi online, where do you suggest they go? Yeah, I well, first of all, I always reply and do my best uh, time in a timely way to on on LinkedIn, and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, but but as well as PatientFi, www.patientfi.com, um, and uh, and shoot us an email. Um, you know, we're we're always uh, you know we're growing, we're looking to hire, we're uh, you know we form partnerships and for in all different categories. So um, you know, and I love I love to meet new people here about their backgrounds. So please reach out. Well, I want to thank you for being uh, generous with your time today and a guest on our program. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'd like to thank the audience, too, because you've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. 
Todd's episode was episode number 1,421 in our archives. And if you're an Orange County entrepreneur who has a story to share, then reach out to me. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I on LinkedIn. That's also my website, rickfranzi.com. Would love to have you on a future episode. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank you.